1: everyone, welcome to Webcology on Webmaster Radio or WMR.FM. It's uh, well, it's our first show of 2020. It's the, the 9th of January, 2020, which blows my mind. I'm going to be a hard time wrapping my tongue around 2020 for the next yeah. like, uh, decade. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, Dave, uh, welcome to the new decade, dude.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's lining up to be a, to be a fun one. Um, you know what, here's, here's a weird sort of like privacy thing, uh, or I guess not privacy fraud thing that I had never thought of. And it involves 2020, which is, is what reminded me of it right now. And I guess I'm glad I don't think of things like this, but at the same time, I'm glad other people do and warn us, um, just as a like we all end our dates in 19 or we have for a year, right. Or 18 the year before that, right. You know. Sure. Shorthanded it December 25th, nineteen, right? Dash yeah. or, or people were in, in various formats. We've been warned not to do that this year.
1: Why? We don't end well, it with 20. 20. What's, what's, what's wrong with that?
2: Because after that, we can tack on, or, or and somebody dealing with fraud can tack on two digits after that and make it 2021, 2022, 2023. Right? They, they can make it any year into the future if you only shorthand it to 20. Um so
1: I just, just, wow. I never yeah, I, know, I I'd
2: never thought of it, but it's it's one of the few times this happens. But right this year is when that's happening, is if we shorthand it to just the two the last two digits, they also happen to be the first two digits, and somebody doing fraud can add the the proper year after that and cascade whatever document that is, have it basically being signed at any point in the in the future. Same day, but in any year heading forward for the next eighty years
1: well uh if, if if you know if people are going to be like so formal with the way they write dates from now on this stuff I, mean, I i want to be called mr hedger you know, just, just, just as a formality from now on i've i've heard one, you know I'm, why I'm, not I'm, I'm 51 you know okay so beyond not getting scammed um 2020 has started off to be kind of kind of a uh a fast-paced year Obviously, there was a lot. People had a lot of time to think of stuff over the uh, over the, uh, the 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 holiday break. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting thing I saw: there was a uh, a video that Frederick um, D. Du, uh, at uh from Microsoft made, and John Mueller uh, mentioned a uh, the same sort of thing in um, in a hangout he was he was doing um, on intent research uh, versus the the, 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 the Old concept the old SEO concept of keyword research. According to um, according to Frederick uh, Frederick uh, uh, Dubat, um, intent research is the way it's going to be in 2020 and moving forward. Now, Frederick's from Microsoft. John Mueller is from uh, Google. Mm-hmm. They're both talking about BERT, and they're both talking about uh, intent research. And again, these, 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 these guys work independently of each other. They were mentioning uh, intent research independently of each other. I think that's kind of the clearest signal SEOs have ever, ever received in the history of SEO on the direction the search engines are going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I and mean, I, I obviously love it. And it, it's a really, really, really funny time for me. Um, that that all of a sudden this started coming to a head. Um, And it did sort of like poke me a a little bit to work faster than I already was. Um, But I'm actually right in the middle of writing a document based on a couple articles. I I had written this document is actually to hand over to uh, both my eldest kid, who's a a developer, but he's a software developer um, and, um, and a, a developer that I know a web developer. I know to actually build a tool to turn keywords into intents and calculate the, the the likelihood of groupings of keywords to match the probability remembering of course that your intent is not Google's or Bing's intent right like when I see a keyword what I want is real estate Miami but how often how how relevant is this neighborhood or how relevant is this school as a search query what, 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 how does it relate to people who might be looking for properties right and and coming up with those sort of calculations so it was really exciting for me when all of a sudden they started talking about it and nicely lit a fire under my butt and went, okay, Dave, just freaking do this, buddy. Like you've been writing this document for the last like month, <laughs> just, just finish it off and get this thing done. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was really exciting timing. And uh, you know, I mean, not personally, but the writing's on the wall. Right. And, and it, it really is Now the one thing that I am waiting for, and, and, and I, I'm sure, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's not going to happen. But we all remember when they pulled keywords out of analytics, right? And now here we are a few years later going, focus on intent, not keywords. Okay. That's what they were kind of trying to get us to do then. I'm really hoping they don't sort of follow suit, sure but not. I could sort of, I, I could picture the Google ads and, 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 Microsoft advertising folks sort of salivating going, yeah, maybe, maybe eventually we can pull keywords out of there <laughs> and just make them go with intent. You're bidding on intents now. And close variants of those intents. Right, but anyway, we can talk to Frederick a little bit about that, but, I, you know, I, I'm this guy. That won't happen. I mean, <laughs> it'd be funny.
1: We will talk to Frederick about that. And then for the audience, who we, we, haven't, we haven't let in on the secret yet. All right. We do, we do have a Frederick coming on today. We got a, a, an incredible guest. We have uh, Frederick Valais, uh former um, AdWords evangelist at Google, um, now CEO of, uh, of Optimizer. I'm going to read this 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 whole great like bio I wrote for him in a few minutes uh, when when he comes on, but we can ask him tons of stuff about about how Google works, how he works around Google now, um, and where where he sees it going. That's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. Um, You ever thought of getting of a career at Google?
2: (laughs) I think every SEO has at some point gone, and then you know maybe wouldn't that be fun? Um, the answer, I think, is no, it wouldn't be.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I've thought about a career at Google, but I haven't seriously thought of a career at Google because I'm pretty sure Google would seriously think of me having a career there. If you want to be an SEO at Google, according to John Mueller, the, uh, the requirements are pretty stiff. Um, you got to have a master's degree or a Ph.D. in uh, computer science, engineering, statistics, mathematics, or some related disciplines for you to have that. But on top of that, they also want you to have uh, multiple years of experience in SEO and project management, coding, and a data analysis. If you can measure up to that, you're going to be competing with a whole bunch of others who uh, can also can also measure up to that, which is actually a fairly elite club. And then you'll be sort of like the cat amongst the canaries. So could, you, could you imagine that as a career? It, it would be fun. I,
2: I mean, basically, let, let's be honest, you could kind of rate your ticket after that. <laughs> Go, oh, okay, now I would like to be an SEO at, pick a company after that if you got bored of being an SEO for Google. And you, you, you know you could just basically walk into any company after that. However, with the credentials that they're requiring, good chance you could walk into that company out of the gate any so, you know, it, it would be uh, it, it would be An interesting an interesting experience For, for somebody, but um, I, I actually have to kind of Agree and disagree With John, of course, where he's like It's harder Is it? Maybe but, like, I, I wouldn't pretend like Yeah, they have like, oh, here's the key To like the algorithm, right? Like, no, clearly they wouldn't um, Probably not. But they, they would have probably much better phone of friends than I do, right? And I have some pretty damn good phone of friends when it comes to SEO questions, <laughs> but I'm guessing if you work at Google, your, your, your list is, is a little more refined, or if you notice a problem, you can probably get it addressed a little bit faster. right? Like that's just, you know, or, or get a clear answer, you know, when you can call up, uh, you know, Martin or John, um, you know, assuming you're part of a large enough division and go, this is actually a problem, right? Call up Danny Sullivan. This is actually a problem or, or I'm actually having, you know, this issue and there's no technical reason for it. Having that kind of direct line. I don't think it's going to make your life harder. Right. But at the same time, if you screw up, everybody, like your, your boss knows a bunch of SEOs. <laughs> so, so there is that too. I'm on, on the other side.
1: Yes, you you are eminently replaceable. Exactly, <laughs> but you have a much cooler tool set. Yes, yeah, and a much I'm cooler email address. Um, I'm also undoubtedly. <laughs> okay, we got we got time for one more uh, uh, future note. I guess. Okay, so you were you were noting this earlier the uh, the 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 stories that that were related, uh, uh, direct site navigation by voice and. Uh, the uh a new tool that's uh, i guess is going to be at ces uh, uh, uh a tool that will will read websites uh uh to to users i guess i guess uh suppose i have uh for blind or disabled users
2: yeah yeah well one can can assume you know and mean by extension well you're in the car right or, or something like that right sort of read out to you what uh um, what this is, I was excited by it, right? Like, I, I, obviously, we can see that this is necessary, but right? I, I, I remember I, I had a friend, and uh, talked about him on the on the show here before, um, who was blind, um, and i watching him navigate the web was, was very interesting, right? Because it was all voice. I, I, I mean, the thing I found most interesting, actually, was was a curiosity of, like, he had a portable keyboard and he could go sit anywhere. <laughs> like, it didn't matter. He didn't need to be in front of his computer. He just wandered <laughs> around with his portable keyboard, and, and that was it. Um, you know, but watching that and then, and then finding out, you know, more, uh, about what's going on here that Google's doing, that is exciting. Um, they'll be able to better read the web, right? And it, you know, one would presume that, you know, they're using technologies and things like AMP, right? To sort of simplify the, the content and go here, here's the content and just read the article, not have to bounce around the page and, and read through the full navigation just to read the subject. Um, and then at the same time, Bing, is um, launching navigation by voice um, through Air App. Their app just gone over to to iOS. Um, so I mean, all of this is very, very interesting. The thing that, of course, concerns me is for publishers and going. Is it going to be the publishers' ads read out in that story, or is it going to be Google's ads, right, or Bing's ads injected into that story? And that's a big concern that I, I still have yet to sort of watch play out, but. Pub, most publishers won't have ad units that can be read out mid-roll in a story, but I'm betting you Google will,
1: right? Well, and,
2: and and how's that? Indeed,
1: although uh, although although advertisers will will, will demand space in, yes. in, in in that venue, and they'll adapt. Um, maybe we'll learn how to. Maybe we'll learn
2: how to write for radio or something. Well, and then then the question comes in going, will the engines respect that? Will they go, here is my visual ad unit. Here is my voice ad unit. And will Google, in this case, um, respect that and go, oh, okay, we're not going to dump in one of our own ads. And if they are injecting ads in there as well, are they putting? It's my content, so it's it's more like my site. So they actually shouldn't put ads in there to begin with. But assuming that they will, which I'm sure they will, you know, what are the odds of them coming in with a competitor or or you know something like that to one of my advertisers, right? Something well, I mean, like that that does, may be problematic.
1: Is it? Would it be safe to say uh, if the price is right, they'll put an ad in there? But 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 at the same time, they they, they offer they offer publishers exclusions now. Yes.
3: Yes. And, and we
2: would hope that that, that that would happen. And maybe it's a case where I have to have, you know, AdSense on my page and then they can dump those ads in. Hey, that'd be great. Um, and now I can monetize voice as well if I want to. Right? I mean, there's, there's a bunch of questions that are unanswered right now. I'm certainly going to be watching very closely with a, with a thought process for how a publisher is about to be screwed. Right well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Certainly. Now, luckily, one of the one of the people um, who I think we could consider like uh, an authority on the subject is going to be coming up after the commercial break. Yeah. Um. So we could ask a whole range of questions. Um. Warning to audience: some. Um. I'm assuming there's going to be some questions that we're going to ask that he can't answer. Totally cool, but we're going to ask him anyway. This how it goes. But um. <laughs> uh. uh uh, when I well, when I look at the story, I think of I think of um, you know Google Home and uh, you know personal assistant devices. Uh, mm-hmm. You know uh, this this is all about helping helping people use those devices more effectively. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, and that's and that's it. And I mean, I I do love it. Right? Like I, I I love I can't say things too loud because I've got devices sitting on my desk right now.
1: <laughs> so I, uh, that, yeah. Like, can I, I still get them to order a sofa for you? Like, like yeah. seriously, that is a goal for 2020 <laughs> is to get like a whole dining set ordered for you.
2: <laughs> all right, I, I'll make sure to mute them from now on.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if anyone um, out
1: there can figure out how to do it, I'll give you it's like this is like a fiber bag. <laughs> I'll give you five bucks.
2: <laughs> um all right, I think um I mean, well, you problem. know what, actually, and that leads us to the news of, or, or related news, um, personal assistance, they've now crossed uh, half a billion. Um, it's funny, I actually don't have the story up in front of me, but I remember reading it about two days ago, <laughs> so, um, yeah. which is also an exciting sort of milestone, talking about personal assistance. Now, right now, they're mostly being used for, um, when I can't, well, I can't say, like, and I, I've used, I use mine probably five, six times today, uh, the Google Home sitting on my desk, uh, which is now into mute mode. Um, you, know, it, 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 you know just for, for, for just simple tasks right set an alert i always set an alert have it remind me five minutes before the podcast records right things like that mm-hmm. that are just like all those sorts what's the weather like play my spotify playlist whatever um you know but how long until we transition over and that's that's the exciting part and i think that's where advertising is going to really really take off and we're starting to see it um but uh but yeah we, we've crossed the half billion um, personal assistant devices um, floating around this is you know that's that's a pretty pretty major milestone for them um, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more crossover into various technologies so I, I think as long as we're thinking about it as a google home or a phone it, it, it's pretty limited um, but it's once we start interacting with things on a much broader scope you know we have nest and stuff like that even that idea is a pretty clunky um, sort of version of things it's 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 you know, and I, I, said, I sent a picture. I posted a picture on Facebook the other day of, while I was walking through a store and the personal assistant was in the television set. And I, I mean, I, I knew this was coming and I've seen it happen before, but I was like, okay, I'm walking through a Walmart and there it is. Right? That's actually where I think we cross over into a new, a new yeah. era of things is when it's not a fancy thing. It's actually on a cheap TV, a, you know, on, on the, you know, sort of floor of Walmart and everybody will have one of these things um, you know, sitting in their living room
1: oh, right. so that's much, that's the crossover. much sooner than later. okay now, we we have we have got to go to break. we are we're actually a couple minutes short for break, but we are coming back with uh, Frederick Belay. um claim many claims to fame. Uh, I got the super music back Can't we can't be between five, but Folks, we got to take a break here on Web College at webmasterradio.fm. on WebmasterRadio.fm. I'm Dave Davies from talking Internet Marketing. This is Jim Hedrick with Joeys Media. Stick around. We're coming back with uh, Patrick Vala, CEO of Optimizer, after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Web College. will be back after this short break.
0: Are you a PPC professional? Would you like a mountain of resources that will help you fine-tune your skills? Join the Paid Search Association, the only nonprofit organization dedicated to serving managers of Google, Microsoft, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter advertising accounts. Check it out at www.paidsearch.org. That's www.paidsearch.org. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 2020 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
1: We're joined uh, by uh, by 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 well, kind of kind of an inspiring guest, Cedric uh, Belles, one of the first 500 employees at Google. Cedric Belles spent 10 years building, developing, and evangelizing AdWords. His job at Google literally evolved from building a better mousetrap to teaching others how to use it. He was Google's like first AdWords evangelist. He went on to co-found Optimizer, a company that designs AdWords tools that focus on data insights, one-click optimization, advanced account reporting, and enhanced scripts. Frederick is an author, most recently of Digital Marketing in an AI World, published in May of 19. He's also a frequent frequent conference speaker. And Fred, welcome to Webcology. You're our first guest in 2020.
4: Woo-hoo. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be here.
1: Well, it is a great way to kick off um, a kind of monumental decade. Um, you were one of the first 500 employees at Google. Um, when, you, when you walk around, like when, when you go back on the Google campus, do you, do you hear people whispering, he's one of the old guys? <laughs> do did, did you get that sense?
4: No, not at all. You know, it's just... Um, so i joined it when it was fewer than 500 people and i left about 10 years later when it was more than 60,000 people and the strange thing was that i could go to any cafe on campus and see hundreds of people and almost not know any of them and that was like such a change to the company right i mean you used to know everyone um i used to play uh street hockey with sergey um, and a bunch of engineers and I wasn't in the engineering department but like if I needed something I could just go to literally anyone in the company um, and, and that was cool because we could build things and like you said like we built better mouse traps, and things were fun but then you get to be 60,000 and all of a sudden like there's these layers of management and like things that don't make sense and you don't know that many people anymore and so it's like ah, it's a good time for me to go um, and certainly now when I come back to campus uh, I, I actually get more of a uh, oh my God, it's Fred Valles who writes for Search Engine Land. Um, much more so <laughs> than no, it's Fred Valles okay. who was at Google way back when. Okay, well, well this is, a, a,
1: you know, a lot of SEL authors listen to this show and you've just confirmed to them that they're read by Google, by Google employees.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, and for me, it was like eye-opening because last year I had a post on if you had a Google Grants account, how to use a script to tell you um, if that account was going to potentially be in trouble. And within about two hours of posting that article on search engine land, the accompanying script, the article was pulled down because Google was actually reading it. And I was like, oh, we, we don't like some of the things that you say in here. Um, so let's pull that down and let's uh, let's talk about it and maybe fix something in that script. Uh, so that, that was certainly the moment when I realized that, yeah, what we say as authors on search engine land certainly does get read by Google and they care very deeply about it. Well, when you were working at
1: Google, I'm like that—that's a when as an author, that's a oh my goodness, I can help change the world moment, which is a, a, a really gratifying feeling for somebody who 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 wants their information, you know, used used well. But when you were at Google, you must have had that 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 feeling in the uh, initial development of AdWords, the oh my goodness, we are literally about to change everything. Um, Uh, This is a weird, weird question, but do you still feel off from from those moments?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I mean, we didn't know what we were building back then, how big it would become. And we certainly thought that it was important, of course, right? But the scale at which this would be, you know, mattering in people's lives, that's the thing we didn't necessarily think about, right? And I was on the quality score team for quite a long time. Um, and that's when it started dawning on me too, that if we make a small change in algorithm for quality score, we really have people emailing us and being like, oh, because of that change, like I can't send my kid to college anymore. <laughs> I was like, whoa, yeah. like wait a second, what are we doing here? Right? And in many of those cases, that was someone who was kind of gaming the system and banking that they were going to send their kid to college <laughs> on the backs so of that. But I still feel bad for a kid who couldn't go to college anymore. Um, yeah, so I mean it was all inspiring and then one of the teams I was on was the AdWords editor team. Um, it was like six people way back when I was on the original founding team of that and to this day it's like one of the tools that's most used by PPC practitioners and so I'm, I'm really uh, happy to have been a part of that and and have made people's lives a little bit easier because at the end of the day like we know people manage huge accounts, millions of keywords, uh, and sometimes you can't go home to your kids and your family at five o'clock because there's just so much work to do. And, and having built a tool that makes those, uh, the lives of PPC marketers a little bit easier, like I'm certainly very happy to have been part of that. Now, um,
1: looking from the from where the tool was, uh, where AdWords was, uh, I, and I want to get to, to uh, Optimizer in, in a few moments, but looking how AdWords has evolved over the years, um, are you happy with the direction
4: Google's taking it?
1: You're, you're, you're no longer at Google, but do, do you feel good about where AdWords is going?
4: I mean, and that's a mixed bag, right? So I think, <laughs> so, so. obviously, I think the big elephant, uh, the elephant in the room here is the fact that advertisers progressively seem to be losing more control over the system because automation is coming in and artificial intelligence is making some of the decisions that we used to. Um, and it's it's kind of weird because when you talk to, Google ads advertisers, AdWords advertisers, they're very pissed about this. Um, But when you talk to Facebook advertisers about the same thing, well, they're not quite as pissed because they never had all these manual controls because Facebook or these newer platforms, they grew up in a world where machine learning was at a different level. It was much more advanced. And so some of the decisions have always been made by the machines. And especially when it comes to things like audience targeting, which is very powerful, but it's very difficult to do for a human, right? We could do it, but we'd spend countless hours. Um, and the machine can just do it much faster, much more efficiently. So it makes sense for the machine to do it. And so I think part of the reason that we have this ambivalent feeling is that we all understand things are moving in the direction they logically have to. But because Google Ads was started, such a long time ago when everything was manual and we could decide everything for ourselves, that's where the frustration comes from. That we're losing some of that that we, used, that we were used to having.
2: Do you think we spend so much time, uh, we see this in every argument, right, right? Facebook, uh, any discussion that involves politics or, or science or anything, I will invariably see somebody go, yeah, well, this is a case either side. This is a case where that you know, didn't work. This is a case, this is a study disproving, you know, or or, or poking a hole in this. Do, do you think we're doing that on, on the, on the paid search side, right? In our, in our reaction. And I'm, I'm among them that, that goes, I hate this level of automation. I think your close variants suck, right? Like, I mean, these, these are things that I've, you know, announced and been quite annoyed by many times, but is it a case where as a whole it's working out very well for the vast majority? but i'm coming in going well this didn't work this isn't a close variant that works well right like how could you come up with this as a close variant that doesn't work but without really taking into account that they made a you know five thousand really good decisions for me and i found a handful of problems
4: yeah exactly and so you and most of the people listening to this show we are ppc or seo professionals this is what we do for a living so we we yearn for that level of control. And if we can eke out just a couple percentage points of benefit, then that's what puts us out of the pack. And that's why we get paid by our customers or by the company that we work for to be the digital marketing expert, right? But that's us. But then there's this whole category of people. There's many more of them than there are of us, but they, they don't know PPC and SEO quite as well. And so they need all the help they can get. And that's really, I think, where Google is going with this automation. It's fundamentally saying, listen, we built... A very powerful system, but with that power comes a lot of complexity. And honestly, if you know you sat a smart person down at a computer terminal today, they'd never done bpc advertising. They'd probably be very confused with Google Ads, and they'd probably make a lot of wrong decisions if you made them make every decision themselves. And I, I think that's where the automation comes in. It's helpful and it's good in the broader scheme of things because. At one level, it's giving consumers more options because it's bringing more advertisers into the mix and showing those advertisers ads And it's actually a relevant result to what that consumer is looking for, right? And so on the whole, Google is making more money because advertisers are better able to come in and if there's more advertisers, there's more um, auction pressure, right? So the CPCs goes up and Google makes more money. So they're happy. At some level, like I said, the consumers are happy most advertisers are happy and then there's us, right? The uh, couple percent here who, uh, who <laughs> wish we could go back to the old days where the dumb advertisers couldn't compete against us because they just didn't have these tools.
2: You know what, you bring up a really interesting point there where part of the reason why we don't like this automation is that it is taking away some control on our end, but at the same time, it's in doing that, it, it's giving a lot of, capabilities to people who might just be entering in or or might not have, you know, might just be a business. I mean, not just, you know, quote unquote, just a business owner, like not in a bad way, but they're a business owner doing their own thing. They're not a PPC specialist and they're, they're, you know, they now have access to more tools than, than they did relative to what we had. Um, And so the playing field is more level. Is is that maybe part of the problem? At the end of the day, am I going to end up paying more per click because more competitors can actually stand against me? Um, than, in the old days, where yeah if you knew stuff, you could be better and basically just outlast the others right but basically i 'll spend more now to make sure that you know you 're not advertising for very long, then you 'll go away, I can drop my bids, and over a year i 'm going to spend less per click, right like you know, yeah, exactly. that sort of I
4: mean, and that was sort of one of the powerful things in the very beginning of the AdWords days was it was level playing field because it was a system where there was no minimum budget required. You could change things on the fly. You could pick your own keywords, write your own ad text. And that small business person could actually come in and say, here's five keywords that matter to my business. And I'm quickly going to take 30 seconds and write an ad text that leads to my homepage and blah, blah, blah. And they'd be done, right? And that's something they could never do before, like even to put an ad on the radio or TV or the newspaper, which was really all you had back then.
0: Mm-hmm. Or you
4: could do display ads, which didn't work very well through Yahoo. But to do any of these things, like you had to commit – $5,000 once you committed $5,000 like you were running that and you couldn't change things on the fly right and so AdWord from its very infancy was about democratizing advertising um and, and then you know Dave came in did it much better right with stock and and, and that's exactly right so now that the, the playing field has been leveled the question for us as experts is like how do we unlevel the playing field and for us that's a pretty big theme for 2020 because there's actually ways you can unlevel the playing field. Well, indeed, that's that's the thing about the democratization of
1: like of any profession. It almost like leads to an arms race. Um, how do you unlevel the playing field for enterprise level advertisers?
4: Yeah. So, uh, the core of it is this concept that we call automation layering. And it's fundamentally saying that automation is good uh, and automation is inevitable. So we have to deal with it. Right? You brought up the example of close variance, right? So close variance is something, and just for the listeners who are not quite as familiar, but Google now says that even if you have an exact match keyword, which in the past meant that the user had to search exactly for the thing that was your keyword, now they can actually broaden that out. They can say, well, if the user meant the same thing, even if they didn't type exactly the same thing, we can still show the ad, right? That's what a close variant is. So we've lost control over exact match keywords, but you can actually reel it back in, right? So this is an automation you have to use, but you can, the second layer of automation, one that you create on top of Google's automation. And that can say, well, listen, if we find that Google starts to show our ad for a close variant keyword, that is more than five characters different that has a certain performance indicator in terms of some metrics that we look at, we can automatically make that a negative keyword. And then Google will stop showing the ad for the closed variant. And so that's automation layering. It's saying we're going to use the automations that Google either forces on us or gives us as an optional thing like automated bidding. But we're going to build our own in-house capabilities on top of that based on the strategies that we believe in to keep these automated systems from Google in check and to take them to the next level. So that we're not, like you said, okay, we're finding 5,000 really weird close variants. If we can get rid of those 5,000, saving us a significant amount of money, right? So the cost per acquisition on the whole goes down. And so that's how we drive better results for, uh, for our customers.
2: So how do you, I mean, I know the answer, obviously, you know what, I'll, I'll tell like a short but fun story that involves your company um, here and, and then, and then lead to my, my question and in, in how I already know the answer. Um, back in 2018, um, I was a judge for the U.S. Search Awards. Um, Frederick, you probably know this already. Um, I was a judge for the U.S. Search Awards. Well, I happened to get this category of PPC software, um, and I had never used Optimizer before, but I had to because I'm a judge, right? So in, in I went. Anyway, um, if folks are wondering, did Dave like it? I'm now paying customers. So <laughs> yes, it's a great tool. Um, but on top of, uh, of the, the tool itself, um, we lead to, I think the answer you were getting to or, or, or what we were getting towards here was automation and automation layering. Um, one of the things I've talked about that I, I love that you do and, and why everybody should watch you on Search Engine Land because you unleash a lot of them there is scripts. Now, I assume you're talking about scripts when you're dealing with the close variant automation. But if not, or, or even if, how do people deploy this? How, how do you monitor your close variants and, 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 and figure out how to, what to do with it right? And, and, and figure out how to add these things to negatives?
4: Yeah. And thank you, obviously, Dave for being a customer um and for having judged us in the category where we eventually did end up winning. So uh thank you for your contribution <laughs> to that. <laughs> My um, pleasure. But yeah, so th- this is another it, it kind of introduces the whole story of how did Optimizer come into existence, right? So when I quit Google, um I was consulting in PPC. I mean, that was obviously the easiest way for me to make some money, but I quickly find myself in a position where I knew the strategies that I wanted to put in play. But they tended to be, and they were industry best practices, but a lot of industry best practices are actually quite tedious and time-consuming to do through the Google tool set. And so I go to lunch with a friend at Google, and he's like, hey, I just uh, worked on this project. It's called Google, or it's called AdWords Scripts. But nobody's using it and it's so sad like it's this really powerful javascript based thing and you can automate virtually anything in the account and so i go home after that lunch and now i have a little bit of a program background so i had to leg up but I, I go home and literally that afternoon i automated this complicated manual optimization that i had been doing and i wrote a script and i was like okay well i wrote a script five hours writing the scripts, but now I can click a button and I can do this for any of the customers that I work with. And I, I just got back so much time to grow my business, to work with more customers. And then I started thinking, how can I turn this into something that everybody can benefit from? And so uh, that's when I started publishing scripts on search and land on free AdWords, scripts, which we now own. So um, we put those scripts up and then eventually we 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 wrote some really complicated advanced scripts that had a lot of settings and then i came to realize that you know even if i give people a copy and pasteable javascript it's still code and a lot of people are afraid of code and, and Partly for a good reason, right? If you take a piece of code and you change a few characters, uh, it could do something really <laughs> wonky to your account, right? I, I hear you laughing, so hopefully you haven't experienced anything too drastic, um, but that's why people are afraid. So we said, let's take a look at how we build this into a tool set, and that's where Optimizer came from. So Optimizer makes it really easy to install scripts without touching code, but it also puts graphical user interfaces, ZWIG type interfaces, Um, Sorry, that's more like web design, right? But but, but so a nice interface, it's a hosted tool, it runs through the API from Google. Um, And so when you look at closed variants specifically, yes, you can pick uh, a free script that's on search engine land. Or you can go into optimizer and we have what we call the rule engine, which is a much easier to use, automatable system uh, that can achieve the same thing. And so you can layer your own automation on top of Google using that. Friends, you're listening to
1: Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 9th of January, 2020, like mind-blown 2020. This is Jim Hedrick from DigitalWays Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. We're back with Webcology after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break.
3: It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests find out how successful curious creative and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose visit intendedpodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts intended consequences marketing on purpose do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of mount everest
2: it doesn't have to be
0: WebmasterRadio.fm, the addiction that's good for you. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the host Jim Hedja and Dave
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Web College and Webmaster Radio.fm. It is the 9th of January 2020. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Base Media, Dave Davidson, from BeanSuck Internet Marketing. We're joined by Fred, we're joined uh, by Fred Bellet, CEO of Optimizer. And uh, Fred Dave, you were just I mean you guys were just getting into talking about how the tool works and how the tool um, saves saves uh, uh PPC. Saves huge time and and and, and expense in PPC, and I had to jump in with the break. I am so sorry, guys. Oh, thanks, Jim. Yeah, well, maybe you understand Business is such a right? yeah.
2: Um, you know what? I, I just like to continue with with just sort of a, a general um, you know sort of thought. We were we were discussing earlier um, automation, right? And and Google moving to automation, you know, whatever smart display, ads, whatever it, it, it may be. Since it is sort of leveling the playing field, I'm, I try to think of it, and I, I, I do genu- truly and, and genuinely believe this, that it's actually an opportunity for those of us – well, actually, I'm not creative at all, but I have creative people you know, here <laughs> who, who can actually create great ads. And it's almost – I try and view it as an opportunity for the brilliance to move to create it right? If, if, if Google's optimizing and if we've got, you know, tools like optimizer that can sort of handle, handle some of the other stuff and you know, yeah, you need like a a a Dave to like come up with general bid strategies, but after that tools and automation can handle a lot of what I would do. And and I need, you know, people who are creative to create good things. Is that, is this really sort of what we're, what we're seeing or, or what you would see? Cause you obviously look at a, at a much larger variety of things where, It's sort of moving some power to creative where the battleground for supremacy in paid search will actually lean more on the creative and the people with the best ads and best landing pages wins, as opposed to the people that might be able to, as you were talking about earlier, game specific things in regards to keyword selection or or bid adjustment.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree, but then you also have the deconstruction of the creative um, responsive search ads where you can now just give Google a bunch of different headline variations and from description variations, and then they put it together. So yeah, you gotta be creative at some level, but um, not to the degree where you come up with the perfect message. And kind of the point too is that the perfect message for one segment of the audience is different for a different segment. And so it's the machine learning that helps figure that out, right? So you just have to be basically offering the best promotions, maybe a couple of catchy phrases, uh, certainly describe the value proposition of your business. Uh, but but yeah, like, uh, it, it's funny because it, Google AdWords, the word component of this whole thing, like keywords, those were important. But the most overlooked part of it, I think, was always the ad text because that was the last thing people would advertisers would put in, and they'd just be like, "Yeah, it's easy. Thirty seconds, write some ad, and hopefully we'll get something out of it." But now you actually have to spend much more time on that.
1: Okay, so if, if somebody approached you and they they were they were new to digital marketing, they they were wanting to get in. Um What what, what would you have from research? Where should uh, young practitioners be looking uh, for for their career, like five years from now?
4: Yeah, I mean, so to learn about industry, certainly a huge fan of search engine land. Um, That would be the first place to, to go and look. And then I think maybe sort of embedded in your question is like, are we even, is someone who goes into PPC now do they have a five-year path, or is this? Well, indeed, automated? yeah,
1: that's kind of what I was getting at. Exactly. Uh, what 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 will the career look like five years
4: from now? I mean, so this is kind of the book that I wrote, right? So, digital marketing in an AI world. I equate human role in this machine learning world to that of a doctor, an airline pilot, and a teacher, right? And so, the doctor. This is about communicating with your patients, sort of understanding the symptoms, and then kind of knowing what kind of remedies might be available. That's the same in Google Ads. So if you think today about, hey, I'm just gonna put stuff on automated bidding, well, great, but which of the 11 automated bidding types that Google has are you gonna use? Which one is the best for this client? And by the way, let's actually back up one step. So you do e-commerce, so do you really wanna have a specific return on ad spend, a target ROAS? Or is the underlying need that you're describing to me actually that you care about profits and profit maximization? Oh, yeah, probably you care about profits. So T. Rowe asked, is kind of a stepping stone to profitability, but now you have to think about how you structure stuff, right? So you're the doctor. You have to figure out what is really ailing the patient, what is that advertiser trying to achieve, and what are the tools to put in place for that. And by the way, if you're going to do automated bidding, could work great. But if you set up your attribution model the incorrect way, it's just like prescribing a patient two drugs that have a horrible interaction with each other. Right? You use last click attribution with automated bidding. You're basically shooting yourself in the foot because you're devaluing the complete upper funnel um, of your traffic. So that's the doctor role. And then there's the pilot role, right? So now you get the automations running, and then like you were talking about, you have closed variants. Uh, you have no choice about close variance you have to have these but that doesn't mean you can't monitor it and that's what a pilot does like did you know that the average pilot flies a plane about 11 minutes per flight that's it um so why do you have a pilot in the plane well the pilot is there to make sure that the data coming into the automated systems is correct it does it does look um like it's valid and because if it's not valid then the automation is going to make some weird decisions and if Things go off track. Say that your landing page is broken for a couple of hours. Well, guess what? Your conversion rate's gonna tank. So is your automated bidding system not gonna think that your conversion rate sucks? Or should you just tell it, hey, ignore that data because it was actually broken. Like it's no reflection of the landing page itself. That's what the pilot does. And then the final role I think that young PPC professionals could look at is teaching. Right? How, How do you teach the machine to be better? So the machine uses a lot of the data that Google has, but Fundamentally, how you unlevel the playing field is by teaching the machine about your business. How is your business different from everyone else? Um, and kind of a crazy example, but like lunar cycle, does that matter for your business? Well, uh, We actually looked at that. When I was on the quality score team, we looked at does the lunar cycle impact click-through rates? And we found that on an overall basis, there was no impact, right? So we didn't decide to use it for quality score. Now, if you run a maternity ward or you do psychic uh, readings, tarot cards, for example. Well, guess what? For these two types of businesses, the lunar cycle actually does matter. And you should be able to inform Google about this so that they're using their systems and figure out, okay, what's the right bit? What's the right query to show your ad for uh, depending on what your business is? Based on all these generic factors that kind of apply across the board, again, level playing field. Well, how do you bring in the things that you know actually matter to your business that put you a step up? Um, and that's teacher role.
2: See, that's a, a really, really interesting point. And yes, if I sell ice cream, then obviously temperature matters, right? If I, you know, or, or air conditioner. So I, I think that's a, a really um, important thing for people to remember that might be overlooked a lot because it's not built into Google's tools, but it, it can be. Um, and I think that's a good reminder: is think about what can, what external vari- uh, you know, sort of variables can impact your sales. Um, and can impact your business and, and try and think about ways to to pull that data in and, and use it you know whether it's a script that just checks and you know as soon as it crosses 20 degrees you know spike my ads or, or whatever um, you know I, I think that's a that's a really really good reminder for folks yep. um, what do you think is is sort of coming up I mean we, we sort of cover paid, paid search you know on, on a weekly basis and, and pretty much every week something is happening Um but if you were to look sort of when we're closing in, you know, in 300 and whatever, 55 days from now, we're writing our, okay, this was 2020 articles, right? The, you, you know, there'll be about 8,000 of them. Um, what do you think we're going to be talking about most? What's, what's sort of coming up in this year that are going to be the highlights that we, that we sort of lock in on uh, when we're looking back?
4: You know, that's sort of a, a fairly hard question to answer. <laughs> I mean, so as far as my predictions for what 2020 is going to be all about, Mm -hmm. it really is an extension of 2019. It's that ongoing push towards more and more automated tools Mm -hmm. uh, as well as structured data. And you guys were talking about it before, right? So if you have voice assistants and you want to show ads on a voice assistant, Um, That's complicated, right? Because now you have to figure out a new ad format. If Google is going to be reading web pages, automatically using some neural networks and then we're going to be embedding ads in that, like how do you target those ads? So, So at some level, I think there's going to be this push, ongoing push towards just giving Google more structured data about what it is that we offer as advertisers, whether that's a list of products or a list of services or a list of zip codes that we service. But that's what they can use to experiment in all of these more nascent ad formats. Um, And so we don't have to spend hours and days setting this up. But Google can just take the data and know, okay, this is what they sell. So let's put that into a voice reading and be done with it. And then if it works well, maybe a year from now, they'll they'll have uh, a more managed interface where we can have more control. And that's the interesting thing too is that there's kind of this cycle of Google tests something, then they give you some controls around it, then they take away those controls and they <laughs> automate it. Then they figure out people want controls, so then controls come back. Um, I think automated bidding is actually a really good example. So, and this is what I think is going to happen is as smart bidding becomes more prevalent and as it's becoming better and better, more advertisers go into that system and they start letting Google automate bids for them but they become a bit complacent. And then it takes a year or 18 months for them to realize that they're not happy with a level playing field. And then they ask, okay, how do I make this better? And then they start looking at stuff like seasonality bid adjustments, or they start looking like you said, at how do we bring the better and the current temperature into the mix of things? How do we use that to do like bid boosting, right? And, and then the other thing that people misunderstand is when we say automated bidding, that doesn't mean set it and forget it by bidding. It just means that Google is handling the translation of a cost per acquisition target into a CPC bid based on expected conversion rates. It doesn't mean that the cost per acquisition needs to stay static. If you're going to have a big sale next week and then you know you can actually afford to pay a little bit more on a cost per acquisition basis because your margins are going to be different or you're going to sell more units or whatever it is, well, you still have to manage that, but you're not managing a CPC bid, you're managing a CPA target. So it's automating part of it, but not the whole thing. And I think people get lulled into this complacency and then eventually they realize, oh, there's more to do here. There's more opportunity for me to stand out above the crowd. Um, and that's when they go back and they figure out how to use scripts, how to use tools like Optimizer, how to bring their own data into the mix. And that's what we're going to be talking about at the end of 2020
1: okay and on that i'm afraid we have to jump we've gone full circle all the way around the clock and uh this has been our first show of 2020. fred valais from uh from ceo of optimizer man this has been incredibly insightful thank you so much for joining us on webcology today
4: thanks for having me
1: fred you have been listening to webcology on webmasterradio.fm it is the 9th of january 2020 this is jim Hedrick, from always, media on behalf of dave davies from bsog internet marketing Stick around, WMR.fm. There's some incredible content coming up on the network. Stay safe, rank well, and we will talk to you next week.